Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the OG Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He's Levin Black. Levin, happy Thursday. Yahoo! I can say that like, uh, what, what is it? Uh, Wario? Yahoo! Yahoo! Well, I wish you did the second thing first. Whatever, we're already started. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. We love your reviews. If you leave it, we will read it on the show. Also, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. And thank you. We're so, so grateful for all your support, all the YouTube channel members. Shout out to all of you. Please consider becoming a YouTube channel member for perks, which you can check out on our YouTube page. All right, Levin. Two things we're going to do on the show today. Adam Schefter was on the Pat McAfee show. To me, said a whole bunch of nothing whole bunch of everything we've already known for months about Trey Lance and Brock Purdy and the 49ers quarterback situation, but you pulled a kernel out of there and you're going to connect some dots and put that together. And we each have our top five 49ers under the most pressure in 2023. Let's start with the Schefter stuff because that's the newsy stuff of the day. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but Schefter was on with McAfee and he said, guess what? You'll never believe 49ers expect Brock Purdy to start in week one. He expects Darnold to be the backup and Lance to be third string. Your thoughts? What he said is nothing new, but the fact that he's now saying it too, along with what Ian Rappaport has said, I feel like it adds more credence to my overall theory of how the 49ers offseason went in terms of the quarterbacks. The fact that both him and Rappaport are saying Darnold is two. The fact that the Niners are continually pushing out to these national people that we're confident Purdy will be back week one. We're confident Purdy will be back week one. And then Schefter also did mention that there was no trade market for Trey Lance. Zero. Mm -hmm. That to me confirms what I think is the best theory out there. What I think at this point is I could be pretty confident in saying still just a theory. Nobody's ever going to know the truth. But what I think happened is the 49ers went into this offseason. When they signed Darnold, Darnold doesn't sign that contract as quick as he did unless he thought he was going to be a backup with the possibility of starting if Purdy wasn't back week one. What does that mean? It means Lance was not in the picture when the 49ers were talking to him. The 49ers did not plan on having Lance in the picture when they talked to him. That's why Darnold signed that contract. It makes no sense for Darnold to sign so quickly to say, yeah, I'll compete for a backup job with Trey Lance and I'm going to get an incentive laden deal who gets an incentive laden deal. That's a third string who might compete and get to the backup. Nobody does. It's a backup who might start that gets those deals. So that tells me that the Niners didn't really have Trey Lance in their picture. That's been my idea. Most, you know, most people I think believe that at this point, but I really think the Niners were going to trade Lance in the draft. I think they thought there would be enough of a market. Exactly what they were looking for, I don't know. I think that they probably would have pulled the trigger if somebody offered like a second that year and a second next year. And I think they thought that they would get that. Because you see like what, what you know, Darnold, you see Baker, you you see some quarterbacks a couple years removed from having been drafted still get traded and get good compensation back. So I think they thought Lance was in that boat and found out that they're not, which 
part of that is on them because all they do is talk crap about him. <laughs> what did you expect? <laughs> he hasn't played, and the people that know him best have not said anything nice about him yeah. or at least not done anything nice for him. That's what I've been saying since Sam Darnold was signed. From the second he was signed, that's what I have been telling people, and nothing has happened since then to make me think right. that I was wrong in any way. And I will say that as frustrating as it is, it shouldn't matter because neither one of those guys is supposed to start. Purdy is supposed to start. And please, right. oh, please, just once can we have a season where our starting quarterback lasts all 17 games? Please. Is that too much to ask out of a football team? I mean, there are crap teams that get a quarterback to start every game. And we got a good team and we can't get that. So I think what happened was when they couldn't trade him, they stuck around. They saw him in OTAs. They saw him in minicamp, and I think maybe he changed their mind a little bit. They said, hold on, we're actually seeing some of the progress we hoped for, the progress that we didn't see last year. So do we really want to move on from this guy right now for peanuts? No. I think they're holding on to him for insurance, but I still think that if Purdy is ready to go and they like he starts practicing with enough time to be ready week one, I think Lance gets moved. He might not get moved right away because there might not be a suitor there, but I think they're still going to build him up in the training camp, say, oh, he's doing well, try to push out good vibes there, give him real opportunities in the preseason to shine. If he's needed in week one, great, because they've seen some progress. But their theory and their thought right now is Purdy will be ready week one. Let's build up the trade market. If he is ready for week one, Darnold's not going to be happy being third string. He didn't sign that contract to be a third string. So far, we haven't heard Darnold say anything at this point, but I think he would be upset if he was third string. doesn't mean he can go demand a trade because who's going to trade for him. But I think he would be upset, and I think the team wants to have a clear-cut starter. That is one thing that you can point to, to Kyle Shanahan. He has always said, this guy is the starter going into a season. He's never had this, well... You know, we'll see how they go, and we might, you know, we might put him in if so and so is struggling. He's never had the back and forth. It was, you know, Brian Hoyer was he's our unquestioned starter his first year, and then he had Jimmy Garoppolo, and he stuck by Jimmy Garoppolo. And then going into this last season, it was Trey Lance is their starter, no question. And I think he wants that. But if Trey Lance is here, I don't think he can quite have that. I don't think he can say he can say it. I should say, but people won't fully believe that it's an, you know. He gets the whole season no matter what type deal. If he says Purdy's our starter, because if Purdy struggles a little bit, there will be people saying, put Lance in, put Lance in, put Lance in. So I think he prefers to move on. And I think that they will once something happens, whether it's an injury or Trey Lance looks so good in preseason that they can get enough trade value there where they can then spin it and say, hey, Purdy's ready to go. We're not going to waste Trey Lance. We're going to get some value for him while we can. And we still have Sam Darnold. We signed him to be the backup. And I think that's why you're seeing, to bring it back, that's why you're seeing these national media guys saying Darnold's going to be the backup. Because the Niners still want that out there. Because they want to be able to then sell it as, hey, we always thought Darnold was going to be the backup. And it doesn't matter how bad Sam Darnold plays in the preseason. He's got 56 games of bad, and the Niners are ignoring all of it. So you think if he's bad in the preseason that they're going to suddenly say, oh, we made a mistake? No, they love this guy. It's not a fair fight. And that is what I have been saying since they signed him. It's not a fair fight. They like Darnold. Kyle's liked him since 2018. Now he's got him. And that's it. It's over. It is over. And it's disgusting and stupid and infuriating but that's how it's going down and i don't think there's any question of that there's a reason all these national guys keep saying this it doesn't happen by accident they're not saying it they're not just giving their opinion they i don't care if they call it their opinion insiders don't do that i am telling you they don't well we've had confirmation it's not their opinion because rapaport came back and said hey i was told to back off on those comments so it's not an opinion it's he was pushed something, he he phrased it in a way that they didn't like. He went too far with it. And they told him, hey, we didn't like the way you phrased that. Try to push back a little bit on it and reel it in. And then he went back and continued to do it like two right. weeks later. So the whole yeah. thing is stupid. It's frustrating. But like I said, if everything works out with Purdy the way that they're hoping and the way it right. looks right now, and again, we don't know, but right now it looks good, 
It shouldn't matter who the backup quarterback is. Um, I'll say this. If Purdy is ready to go week one and he looks good, you know, he plays well in week one, he plays well in week two, what we saw last year does look to be the reality. They absolutely should trade Trey Lance while they can get anything of value. There's no reason to hold on to him at that point. But I will say, I think there's only two possibilities, two scenarios that Trey Lance is still on this team at the end of the year. And that is one, the trade market never develops, that there just weren't many teams high on Trey Lance like believed. Because he could be one of those candidates that only a couple teams are really high on him. And it was enough to get him drafted where he was. But that means that there's not as many trade suitors as you would think. Uh, Or that some of the teams that were high on him are no longer run by those same people. You know, so that takes away suitors as well. Or this is the second scenario. Purdy's not ready to go week one. Lance starts and looks darn good. And at that point, I think they go, hold on. We don't know if we want to give up on him yet. I don't think that he's going to start if Purdy's not ready to go. It's going to be Sam. It's going to be. He's not even going to get the chance. It's. I don't believe that. I think Lance will start if it's not Purdy. Why? You just said they're done with Lance, that, that Darnold's the guy. You just agreed with everything. Because they I want said. to see if Purdy, if Purdy's not ready week one, he's had a setback. And I think that's going to scare them and it should scare them. So that at that point, they want to see what his Trey Lance got. Can he be our franchise? Because we don't know if we can count on Purdy anymore. If they because wanted, his elbow had a setback from a very serious injury, he might not be around and he might never be the same. So we need to see what Trey Lance is and not just throw away the season with Darnold. If they if they believe that, they never would have signed Sam Darnold. Well, they like I said, I think their minds got changed a little bit because I can't blame them if they drafted Trey Lance. They said, "Hey, sit, learn, change your mechanics, come back, be ready to go week or year two. And he came back, and they're like, "Holy crap, he's worse than he was when we drafted him." <laughs> I don't blame them at that point for saying we're out. We need to find a different solution because he got worse, not better. But. Now he looked better. Now he figured out his mechanics and he's looking better. We've seen that. Well, we've seen both reports from beat writers, national media, Niners kind of pushing some stuff as well that Trey Lance has looked better. You've seen Kittle mention it multiple times. So maybe their opinion has changed that, well, we still 100% believe in Purdy and we want a clear cut starter, but we have seen some progress in Lance. So we will go to him if need be. And they're holding on to him until either they get an offer that they go, it's not worth holding on to him because this is much better than anything else out there. Or just to make sure Purdy is back. The whole saga is a sad, sad state of affairs, but it is currently where we live. I wouldn't say it's sad. Like I said, I like the scenario in the sense that I think there are two very young quarterbacks that have a very good chance of being franchise quarterbacks, in my opinion. But, like, we honestly don't know that about Trey Lance. We have no information. No, but I'm confident he can be a franchise quarterback. And I think I'm confident that Purdy can be good enough to win a Super Bowl with, with how stacked this roster is. I don't think Purdy has the same upside. He's never going to be elite, but I think he could be what I said after a few games of him. A Jimmy Garoppolo who turns uh, three or four drives that would have been sacks and drive ended into no gains, couple yard runs because he scrambles away from it. And that is enough to have won a Super Bowl. If that was what the offense was in 2019, this team once wins the Super Bowl because it, there wouldn't be a sack that just completely ends the drive. You know, there wouldn't be a, the quarterback running out of the back of the end zone scenario. You know, the, the, that is the upside. This offense is good enough. If you then say, you got Jimmy Garoppolo's offense, and there's two or three drives that aren't ended by a sack because Purdy got out of them. That's good enough. Still not elite, but it's good enough. We'll find out. Uh, we are still a month away from training camp, so we got a long way to go before we know for Who sure. Who is texting you during our show? Sorry, I sorry. You tell them to shut the heck up. You got more important stuff going on, huh? It was Levin Black. Hmm. Aren't you just now getting that? Uh, got a new phone. Things are a little wonky. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do our top five 49ers under the most pressure in 2023. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, we'll we'll probably end up talking quarterbacks a little later, but I asked you to come up with your five members of this organization that are under the most pressure in 2023. I have my five. Should we go five to one? We'll start at number five. Is that fair? Sure. So like 
still a lot of pressure, but the lowest on our list in terms of pressure. Right. right. Yeah, we can start at five. Okay, go ahead. You get to lead off. Well, that one I have Jake Moody. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure you'll have him on the list. He was kind of borderline. There are a couple people I told you I, before we went on air, I had two people that I wrote down as possibilities and didn't end up making the cut. But I think Jake Moody is going to have a lot of pressure because he was drafted in the third round. He is the kicker. So any mistakes he makes are going to be amplified. And I think every single kick is going to be huge for him because a, a single miss is going to get people yelling at him, mm-hmm. even Niner fans. A single miss. He could make nine in a row and then miss the 10th and be making 90% of his kicks. After that 10th, people are going to go, why did they draft him in the third round? Especially if the 10th could tie or give them the lead late in the game. Right. So I, I think he has a lot of pressure on him. Yes, he is a kicker, but kickers are all about tons of pressure and very specific, small amounts of opportunity. I mean, a kicker has small sample size until they are three or four years into the league. Like, <laughs> well, and not only that too, but like, you know, we always talk about with Trey Lance. Well, week one last year wasn't good. Well, it was raining. Well, it was no kiddo. There's almost no context with a kicker. It's unless like all the snaps are bad. It's pretty much like you either do it or you don't. Well, that so, and like a kicker, he can't start bad. It's not the same thing because confidence, I think is a lot more than say a quarterback, a quarterback, you can build their confidence. Hey, have this small dink and dunk, you know, pass, throw a screen pass, get their confidence going. You can't do that with a kicker. Hey, hold on. We're at the five yard line. We're going to stop. We're not going to try to score a touchdown on the first, on the first down. We're going to kick the field goal to gain confidence with a No, they don't do that. So it is one of those things that I, I think things can implode really quickly. And we've seen that even with veterans where they miss a couple kicks early in the season and their confidence gets shot. And that is to me, kicking, the ex- the metaphor, the example that I think most people can relate to is it's golf. If your confidence gets shot, all it takes is one swing to make you question things and you're you're done. You know, and I think kicking is very similar to that. There's a lot of men- mental stuff. The Niners or maybe Moody's people. I don't know. Somebody has done a very good job this offseason of putting out there like all these profiles and stuff on Moody and mm-hmm. about how doesn't lose confidence about how he's you know stone cold ice in the veins doesn't lose confidence doesn't get flustered all that stuff we'll see you know there's no way to know until he's actually out there that is a very good uh pick by you for number five on your list i'm starting number five on my list and it's elijah mitchell i mean he's fighting for his roster life i think right now and what was the big thing about elijah mitchell he's got to get on the field got to get on the field and minicamp comes up, and he's already banged up. He already can't go. He's on the sideline already. So it's a do-or-die year, and he's started dying already. And he's got an uphill climb, I think, to even be the number two back on this team because I think Jordan Mason won over the locker room and, and the coaching staff with his effort on special teams and then his uh, play in the limited carries that he did get last year. So I think Elijah Mitchell's under a ton of pressure because you're not going to get a ton of reps, and you got to be out there. And you got to prove to this team that you can stay healthy. And like I said, he's already behind the eight ball. See, I, I think there's two parts to the equation of who's under a lot of pressure. There's the part of how how much are you fighting for your job, which Eli Mitchell, you know, is as high as you can get in that. But there's the other part. What are the expectations of you? What do fans expect? What does a team expect? How much are you counted on, basically? And to me, that for Eli Mitchell is zero. It doesn't matter if he makes this roster or not, because if he doesn't make this roster, there's Jordan Mason. You know what I mean? Team. Well, yeah. I think most of us hope that he comes back and he is the real deal and he can stay healthy for once. But if he is cut, I don't think anybody really skips a beat on it. It's, oh, darn, I really thought he had something there, but the team is moving on. Can't blame him. He's always hurt. That will be the story. So I feel like he doesn't have any pressure from that aspect. There's no... If he, if he doesn't make the team, fans aren't going to be like, whoa, what happened? You know, there, there's none right. of that. So I feel like he didn't make my list because he fails one of those two so much. He has pretty much nothing from there. But that's the team perspective. From the personal perspective of Elijah Mitchell, there's a ton of pressure. He, it's This is where he's going to be working. This is where he's going to be living. Like, there is a ton of pressure on him personally. Right. So I, but so I, is there for all these guys who have never made, you know, every undrafted free agent rookie has that same level because 
If they don't make this roster, they're not going to be a last second addition to another roster. You know, they might get to go to uh practice squad. You know what I mean? So there's 30 guys on this roster right now. Well, probably 50 guys right now, because it's at 90 man that are fighting for their lives. They might not make the team. So I feel like a lot of people have that. It's just Eli Mitchell. We've seen be a starter before. So he, I think that takes it slightly higher, but there's a lot of guys that have basically their careers on the line. And he's one of them. Number four for you. I got Javon Hargrave. And that is because of his contract. Javon Hargrave. Because of his contract. He has paid a lot of money. If He's seen as the free agent addition. They didn't address other positions. He is supposed to solidify that defensive line. We just saw the... Uh, some of the team talk about that, that uh, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch talk about how they feel like their defensive line kind of took a step back and it wasn't as good last year, even though the defense still put up really good numbers, but they felt like that was the thing that had kind of slid back since 2019 and they needed to address it. Well, he is the free agent mercenary, so to speak, signing when they spend a lot of money, he better produce. He is under pressure because I do think that, I mean, they, they've made no bones about it. They want the 2019 style defensive line again. And that was Buckner in the middle. And it was not just Buckner clogging up rush lanes. It was Buckner rushing the passer. It's not going to be enough for Javon Hargrave to just stop the run. In fact, he's not really, he's not amazing. He's not elite as a run stopper. He's very, very good as a pass rusher disrupting plays. He's going to have to do that for the 49ers to justify that contract, but he's also not going anywhere for a couple of years. So I didn't have him on my list. Actually. I know there's a lot of expectations for him, but I didn't put him on my list. He could, if he fails and the season, isn't a great season. He could become public enemy. Number one in the fans eyes. Hey, we brought you over. And you weren't the difference maker and the season fell apart. I could see a scenario where he becomes the most hated player on the roster. I certainly hope not, but I think there is a possibility that that could happen. So anybody to me that has that possibility should be on this list. I think the defense would have to drop off a lot for that to be the case. Like even if he doesn't have a great year, but if the defense is still top five, he'll, he'll skate, he'll get by. He won't be hated. He might be, we might be disappointed in him, but I don't think he's going to get like the hate. Um, and look, the defense may drop off a little, you know, Vish was talking with Grant apparently, and he brought up a good point. Like how many years in a row can you expect a top five defense reasonably? Like that doesn't happen in, in NFL history. You don't get half a decade of a top five defense very often. Especially so real... when it's not from the head coach. You can get that if you're Bill Belichick, but they're now on their third defensive coordinator which actually that's somebody that didn't make my list. Maybe he made yours and we'll talk about him more, but Steve Wilkes is under a lot of pressure because he's replaced two very successful defensive coordinators that went on to be head coaches. He is not on my list, but I maybe I should have put him on the list over this guy. Uh, my number four is actually Brandon, I, or number three, I should say. I don't know what. No, you're four. Four, okay. Brandon Ayuk, um, because of the contract situation, he is going to play in an offense that is not a pass first offense. He's going to play with quarterbacks that spread the ball around. He's got a head coach that, that can, if he wants to, but usually chooses not to feature one guy every single week. And it's like, Hey, you're going to get your 85, 90, maybe a hundred targets. If Debo misses time and good luck, you better do, you better make the most of them because you're not getting any more opportunities because it's a contract year. So you got to just, break tackles and not drop any balls. And, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on Brandon Ayuk because there's tens of millions of dollars potentially at stake. I, I agree that there's a lot of pressure on Brandon Ayuk. He didn't make my list. I think we have a very clear difference of opinion on what we value. I value kind of equally pressure individually and pressure because of expectations. And you, I think very clearly thought of this in terms of their individual being reigning supreme because Brandon Ayuk, he's not paid a lot of money. So he's not going to be a guy that people say, well, you're paid a lot. So you should have been doing better. People will certainly be disappointed, but it'll be like, Oh, well, well, at least we can move on now. Now we know we don't have to pay him. 
from the team perspective, yeah, but they're also like, they've all been talking him up, right? Debo, I mean, first of all, Ayuk's been talking up himself, right? Right. Uh-huh. What did he say? Like, ready to blow up or whatever he said. Debo's been talking him up. Kittle's been talking him up. Ayuk's been talking him up. Some of the defensive guy, I think Diamador Lenore was talking him up. So, like, there's pressure coming from even his teammates that are saying, like, hey, he's going to be one of the best receivers in the league. And, like, he had a nice year last year, and I think he's very good. But he, he didn't have 1,200 yards last year. You know, he's barely over 1,000 yards. There's a lot of guys in the league that go over 1,000 yards. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot of pressure on I think When his head hits the pillow, I think it's going to be in his head every day. What am I doing? Am I blowing it? I, I got to do more. I, you know, this is my shot. I think that's a lot of pressure. And I was talking with Grant yesterday, and I almost wonder if, you know, if we get to week four, week five, and, and Brandon Ayuk has – 15 catches is that going to be a problem is he going to make a stink i don't know it's possible we could see him start to speak out if something like that happens i would agree that in terms of mental anguish and the feeling the need the pressure to produce he might be number one on the team because he is in a contract here and he has not gotten paid big money yet you know it's different i think when you're 32, 33 years old, you've already had this massive deal and you're just trying to earn another one. Right. Like Kittle. Yes. In a year. Yeah, it's, it's it's different when you're on contract three versus contract two or, or trying to earn contract two. Okay. Who is uh, number three for you? I got his, the, the other wide receiver, Debo Samuel. Because I feel like if he has another year like last year or even a year a little bit better, but he's not a massive difference maker, he doesn't go off in games and takeover games. I don't think he's on the team. I don't, I agree. I don't think he remains. I think they're going to use that out and, and get out of his contract and trade him to wherever they can in the off season. So I think he's under a lot of pressure and I think he's put a lot of pressure on himself because he came out and said, Hey, I didn't live up to the contract. And that is a very, very big thing. You're paid a lot of money. You better produce. And it's not just, Oh, you got injured. That sucks. You know, sometimes you get a little bit of a pass for that. I mean, Jimmy got a pass a lot. People are still frustrated that he got injured, but nobody blames him. Debo's issue was he was out of shape. Well, I blame Jimmy. You, you can say he got injured, but did he get injured because he was out of shape? I mean, he missed right. a few games. No. So to me, well, you, you don't know. I don't think Jimmy was out of shape. I think Debo was. I mean, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about with Debo. He missed a right. few games last year. Can we say for sure that it was just random luck when you're out of shape and you're at a position where you're like literally running and taking hits constantly? And he admitted that all the trade stuff was a distraction and it affected him and it affected his preparation. So this is like not, this isn't speculation. Right. He he talked about all this stuff. I agree. I think he has to produce his year was awful last year. And I like, I know he made some really big plays and he did but he's got to do it more often. He has to do. It. And part of that, I think is Kyle Shanahan wanting, you know, hopefully using him more as a straight up wide receiver. I think all of that stuff plays into it. It's not just on Debo, but it has to be better this year. And I hope, I really hope that it is. I love that. He said what he said, that he recognized it, that he's not shying away from it. I love all of that, but I agree with you another year like 2022 and Debo's not on the team in 2024. Yep. He has a make or break it year without the contract part of it. It is a make or break it year for him. Next on my list, I think this is pretty obvious, but just because it's obvious doesn't make it wrong. Drake Jackson. This team is putting a lot of faith in Drake Jackson. There are still veteran pass rushers that are available on the market. I feel like we've talked about it a lot. Justin Houston, Unique Ngankwe. Even though some guys have come off the board, those two are still out there. The Niners have the cap room to sign them if they want to. And what they are telling you is we think Drake Jackson is going to make that leap, that he's capable of it, that he understands that he needed to work on his body in the offseason. Drake himself admitted that he was not putting the work in on his body his rookie year that he's been putting in on it now. And they're telling you we think this is going to be the guy. And it's potentially a big gamble because – the whole defensive line that they want is the two speed rushers coming off the edge with the push up the middle from the defensive tackle. If you only have the one guy coming off the edge, that changes the equation quite a bit. And we know this secondary is not exactly a, the no fly zone, so to speak. So if they're wrong on Drake Jackson, 
that throws a massive, massive monkey wrench into their plans for the defense. So, yeah, I think there's three players here. They were uh, three that I considered, uh, two of which I wrote down, but didn't make the list because of one aspect. You, you got three players that are trying to prove, hey, I'm the real deal. I'm a starter. You can count on me. And that is Drake Jackson, Colton McKivitz, and Lenore. The thing that kept them off my list is they shouldn't, if, if they fail, if they're not good enough, who's going to get the blame more? I feel like if they fail and they're not the real deal, people are going to look at John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan more. They'll still get some blame. You know, people will still be upset, but they're going to be like, you guys should have known better. You had them for a year or in some cases, two years. You should have been able to tell that they weren't the real deal. You should have gotten replacements and gotten competition for them. I do. I would agree with that assessment, especially when it comes to Drake Jackson. They're going to say, I I think it's different if you're a high first round pick. Hey, you are expected. You know, the team is invested in a lot. You, you are expected to be the real deal, but Drake is the highest draft pick and he's in the second round. And I, for the record, I think he can be, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, Von Miller out there, but I think he has a talent and the potential to be really, really good. I'm not doubting him. All right. I'm saying is the team has put him in a position to where they really are telling you he's got to be the guy because they don't have, what's the alternative to Drake Jackson on the edge, on the outside? Like, what is it? <laughs> I don't even know. It's like, it's that scary. Oakland so, Raiders rerun? Right, like so, whatever cast off they want to bring in. So that's why I think there's a lot of pressure on Drake. Uh, Drake, I think we're going to see a different Drake Jackson. I'm buying into the stuff he said at the press conference about how he's doing the extra work. Because to me, he has the physical gifts. He has the bend. He has the athleticism. Mm-hmm. He has that that stuff. What he needs to work on is the other stuff, just the stamina, the endurance, all that stuff. And hopefully uh, that's fixable. And we'll see if it is. But I think Drake is under a ton of pressure in 2023. Number two for you, sir. So one and two, I think, are interchangeable. But I went ahead and wrote Kyle Shanahan as two. I think he's made a lot of decisions. We just talked about those three players. If they fail, you know, if Colton McKivitz is just garbage and isn't capable of standing up to really good pass rushers, People are going to go to Kyle Shanahan because, hey, this is your offense. This is your team. You decided this guy could be the starter. But then it's also, you know, everything involving the quarterbacks and the decisions he makes there and just being the head coach, having been here long enough, the expectations are the team will win a Super Bowl. If you keep failing, you're going to start entering the Marty Schottenheimer era of do we replace him, even though he's winning 11, 12, 13 games every season. And I think if the Niners fail to win the Super Bowl this year, I think that starts to become the topic of conversation. Grant and I basically spent the whole show yesterday talking about Kyle Shanahan, expectations for him. Does he get too much credit? Uh, Apparently, Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic has a long-form podcast coming out about the Shanahan coaching tree. Shanahan, McVay, McDaniel, LaFleur in Green Bay, And Grant's kind of take on the whole thing is like for a guy that has not won a championship, we are talking about Kyle Shanahan as if he has this amazing legacy in the league and he doesn't yet. And that's a fair criticism. I think Grant is at the point where he wants to fire Kyle Shanahan, which I think is absolutely insane, but there is pressure on him. He's my number two also, by the way, is Kyle. Grant Grant is at the point of wanting to fire Kyle Shanahan because it's late June and we're waiting for training. (laughs) Let's, uh, let's call it what it is. I do think that when you have had the playoff success that the 49ers have had for as many years as they have had it, you do set the bar at Super Bowl or bust because that that's the only thing left for you to do, right? The goal is to improve every year while the Niners are at the point where the only way they can improve is by winning a Super Bowl. And I do, I do think it's fair to say he needs to win one. But I also think it's fair to say he's a great head coach right now. Even though he doesn't have one right now, I still think you can say he's a great head coach. Grant disagreed. We 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 went at it pretty good. It was a fun show. But nonetheless, to me, is- the, the change you make if you think Kyle Shanahan is a great coach, but he can't get over the hump is, hey, guess what? You don't get to decide your quarterback anymore because that is where <laughs> Kyle Shanahan has failed. He's pretty much succeeded at everything else other than he has not been able to get a franchise quarterback and keep them healthy. If he had a franchise quarterback, I would argue even if he had a Derek Carr 
who has stayed healthy the last four years, he probably has a Super Bowl. That seems to be the prevailing wisdom, but the fact that he can't find that guy is frustrating. And eventually that is a fair, I mean, I do think that is a fair criticism. I've criticism criticized him for the handling of the quarterback situation. It needs to get better. He needs to value the position more and we'll see how it works out this year. But I think Kyle is under a tremendous amount of pressure. What is he? Is he like the Is he the second longest tenured coach in the NFC behind Pete Carroll? Like it's time, man, you got to get one. And hopefully he does. But I, I think Bay has more. So that's third at least. Weren't they hired in the same year, though? I thought McVay Just, was a year ahead. I can't remember. I can't remember. But I know McVay is at least tied. I thought he came out a year first. McVay was hired in, quick Google search, 2017. So they're the same. Okay. So okay, he's tied with McVay. Um, but it's time. And we'll see if he can do it. I think he feels it, though. I think uh, and he, I think he's felt it for a couple of years, to be well, honest. With you. I, I, I think the pressure is there now that the fans will turn. I think we're, yeah, we're, we're at that precipice where, or precipice where if he doesn't get over the hump this year, I think if they make the Super Bowl, everybody will kind of go. Or if, you know, they just – they're so close to winning the NFC Championship and something – a bad call or some fluke happens where they lose it kind of be forgiven i think if he makes it that far but if he gets the nfc championship doesn't put up a fight again or just doesn't even make the nfc championship i think the fan there'll be it'll probably be a good 50 50 split right now i think it's probably still like 95 percent in kyle shanahan's favor but i think another year of not really getting over the hump will shift those fans especially if it's because of the quarterback again I, i think a lot of this hinges on what happens with the quarterback and whether or not one of these guys actually emerges as the franchise. Especially if he keeps saying and he allows other people on the team to say, well, we had the best team. We had the best team, but we had the best team, but we didn't win. Or if we had played this team, we would like, you can't keep saying you had the best yeah. team when you don't have the Super Bowl trophy. Like that's it. And I get it. I get that the NFC championship game stunk and that you were robbed and you didn't really get the chance to play. I get it, but other teams have injuries too. And one team wins the Super Bowl every year. And eventually you got to stop saying you're the best team if you don't have one. Agreed. Uh, I, I think that ha- it's one of those things that you can feel it, but ever, ever, ever saying it out loud publicly never goes well. <laughs> when you don't win. Yeah, I agree. And it's, we've heard it's it. not something to ever say out loud. Hey, I've said it. I said it in 2021. I thought they would have won the Super Bowl if they had made the Super Bowl that year. I said it in 2012 when they lost to the Ravens. I said it in 2019. I think they had a better team than the Chiefs. They just didn't have a better quarterback. But win one. And then you don't have to tell people you had the best team. They'll know you had the best team because you'll have the Lombardi trophy in your trophy case. So Kyle was also my number two. So we both agree on that. Who is your number one 49er under the most pressure in 2023. Who is your number one 49er under the most pressure in 2023? Duh. Brock Purdy. Especially if Trey Lance gets moved. I think I think that goes up even further. And that was what I ultimately decided. Like I said, I, I feel like I could have flip-flopped one and two and had Kyle number one. But I ultimately decided, okay, Purdy's going to get number one because if Trey Lance gets moved, he better be the real deal. I don't think fans are going to be very patient either way. If Trey Lance is there and Purdy's only mediocre, fans are going to say, well, why isn't Trey Lance getting an opportunity? If Trey Lance is gone and Purdy is mediocre, they're going to go, what the heck did you do? You could make the argument that even if Purdy is exactly the same dude, if the defense isn't as good and they aren't forcing as many turnovers and the offense doesn't have those short fields and isn't able to generate the same points, Purdy may get criticism that's not deserved. He may be like, you know, he may be producing at the same level, but if things around him are a little different, he might feel some heat. And I agree if, with if he's you. He's able to produce 40 plus touchdowns. I don't think anybody's going to be coming for him, which is no. what he was producing rate wise last year. Yeah. But I think the defense setting him up helped is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I think I that helps put him in some of the position. It is weird, though, that we're at zero patience with Brock Purdy, right? Because of how he came in and all the success he had right away. Normally, you got a quarterback going into year two. You're like, yeah, we hope you can be good, but we're not expecting Super Bowl or bust, right? Nobody was expecting Super Bowl or bust with Patrick Mahomes in year two or Lamar Jackson in year two. And those were, you know, highly drafted, highly talented players. With Brock, it's like, okay, you're healthy? Great. Super Bowl or bust. What's what's the start for you? Number what? 10? Career start number 10 for you is going to be week one, whatever it is. Like, that is that is wild. And I don't envy him for that kind of pressure because that is a lot of pressure. I mean, I, I will say that it, it's not necessarily that it, it is Super Bowl bust because of him. You know, it's the team expectation and he has to fulfill it. But that allows a little bit of slack. As long as the team is winning, nobody's coming for him. Doesn't matter how bad he gets. Nobody's coming for him. Right. Uh, so I think he gets a little bit of slack there because of that. And I, I want to, I think we should be clear. We're not saying he has the pressure of having to come in and be elite. You know, this team doesn't need an elite quarterback to win. We're saying he has a lot of pressure and it's Super Bowl or bust because of the level the team is at. Not because we're saying Brock Purdy, we have zero patience with him. He has to be elite right now. No, he just has to be good enough to not cost games. That's the level expectation on him individually. Don't be bad enough that you lose us games. And as long as everything else happens, as we all expect, being one of the best supporting casts, this team will win 11, 12 plus games. And nobody will be blaming Purdy, even if he ends up having, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo-esque numbers. Not if, what if he doesn't get to the NFC Championship game? Well, that, then I mean, the say. end of season criticism is always going to come. I think in the playoffs, it's different. You got to be a difference maker. That's the that's the one thing that Jimmy wasn't. When you got to the playoffs, Jimmy went from oh he's he he's he's halfway decent to oh wow he's garbage. And even Kyle Shanahan knows him won't let him throw a pass. (laughs) (laughs) That that's the difference. Like if you can be slightly above average in the regular season and maintain that level in the postseason. I think most people aren't going to be coming for you. The problem for Jimmy was, is he played like absolute crap in the postseason. So it was very easy to put the target on his back. I had the quarterback at number one on my list because I think that the, whoever it is, I feel like faces the same kind of pressure because like everybody does everybody say, well, all they need is a quarterback. All they need is a quarterback. Well, when you're the quarterback, that sucks for you because you're like, oh, everybody thinks everything else is fine and it's just me. So in a way, even though it's not all on you, all the attention is kind of on you because everybody has been saying for months and months and months and months and months, all Kyle Shanahan needs is a quarterback. And that's the same, even if it was Lance, right? Because especially because they drafted him, they traded up all that to get him. You were the handpicked guy. You were the chosen one. You know, Brock doesn't quite have that because of where he was picked, but Lance certainly does. And even Darnold does to an extent too, because he was plucked out of free agency and they've been talking him up all off season. So it is that is a brutal spot for anybody, especially two guys who are 23 years old in Lance and Darnold, uh, Lance and um, Purdy. Yeah, see, I, I almost put starting quarterback, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to take the easy way out because I do believe like, okay, if something happens to Purdy, all pressure is off Purdy. You know, it's not his fault. His elbow didn't didn't work out. That's not his fault. Nobody's going to come for him and blame him. But then at that point, all of that pressure that we just talked about with Purdy goes to Trey Lance. (laughs) I'm assuming at that point. The only person that I don't think would have enough pressure on them to get the top spot if they were the starting quarterback is Sam Darnold. Because like I said earlier, that if he starts and he bombs, people aren't going to so much blame Sam Darnold because he is who we thought he is. Yeah. For Kyle Shannon and say, you said he's the best thrower of the football of all time. What the hell is wrong with your eyeballs? Well, technically, that was Mayoko that said it. Although Kyle kind of didn't really disagree when it was brought up to him, which is freaking insane. Um, Yeah, I I do think that the Niners will take more of the blame because Sam was more of a known quantity, a known entity at that point. But it is a pressure cooker of a situation, regardless of who is in it. uh, I wouldn't be, you know, they're, I hope they have as good a quarterback room as they supposedly have. Cause I think that the, whoever the starter is, is going to have to lean on whoever the backup is just to get through Like 
there's gonna be games. Hell, it could be week one, Levin. You know, they're playing Pittsburgh, they're on the road. That's gonna be a brutal spot for whoever the starting quarterback is. You may come out of that game, you know, 185 yards, one touchdown, two picks, maybe a fumble, something like that. And the Niner fans are gonna have the torches and pitchforks out. It's not an easy game. I think that's one of the one of the most difficult week one games they could have gotten because it, yeah, you could say, Oh, week one going against Philly or going against Seattle. Yeah. Those are probably better teams, but you've mm-hmm. played them. You have a little more familiarity with them. They haven't played the Steelers in four years. They don't know this team. They haven't played in Pittsburgh in eight years. They don't really know this stadium. You know, is there anybody on this roster that played in that Pittsburgh game eight years ago? I don't think there is. The only person could be Armstead, and I don't think oh, he did. That played in Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah. Eight years ago. So nobody's played in the stadium. Also, by the way, not a good stadium for Jake Moody to have to make his debut oh, in. Uh, yeah. It is quite possibly the worst stadium for Jake Moody. It is. Kick- if you don't know, you know, the old stadium used to be called Three River Stadium. Much better name, by the way, uh, than either Heinz Field or Exerger Stadium. But... Yeah. <laughs> the reason it's called that is because there are three rivers literally right where the stadium is. And what that does is you, it's basically a bowl. You have mountains on either side. You have three rivers on the inside of that bowl. And that creates all kinds of crazy winds that change at the drop of a hat. Yeah. It's not, it's not windy. You know, I lived in North Dakota. It's not windy like North Dakota. You know, people like to think it is. It's not, it's nowhere near North Dakota level wind. But in terms of consistency, there is none. The wind could be this, could be to the right and then to the left and then, you know, north, south, east, west. It can, it can change at the drop of a hat. It can change based on the height of the ball currently, which I've heard kickers talk about with Pittsburgh. That when you kick it at, at level, like down at the level of the field, you feel the wind one direction. But once it gets up in the air, suddenly it changes slightly and it's going, you know, diagonally or. So it's a very, very difficult stadium to kick in. The pressure will be on the 49ers from jump. But you know what? I I hope there's no 50-plus yard field goals. I want Jake Moody to get off to a good foot. I don't want to see his first kick coming out. Oh, 54-yard field goal. It's like, I know how that one's going to go. Can't you just picture Kyle? They'll be like 58 yards away. The longest field goal at that stadium is 59 yards, by the way. I looked it up. Can't you just see him like right in that range? Kyle would be like, yeah, go out there for your first ever kick in the NFL in the hardest kicking stadium yeah. in the league and try to make a 59-yarder. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, I would like a nice, easy game that I don't have to stress, but I feel like it's going to be a low-scoring slugfest because that is Pittsburgh. Yeah, I don't imagine the Niners are going to score a ton of points. I wonder. It's going to be a stack if- fest is what it's going to be. TJ yeah. Watt and Nick Boza are going to be fighting for supremacy to say, you know, be able to puff out their chest and say, see, I'm the better one. And TJ Watt is going up against Colton McKivitz. Yeah. So, yeah, that's dicey. Uh, the over-under for that game is 40 and a half. So that tells you that they are yeah. not expecting a ton of points. I wonder, let me just see really quickly. Uh is that the lowest of the week? Cardinals Commanders is also 40 and a half for, for entirely different reasons, I'd like to point out. Um, yeah, right now that is the lowest of the week. So there's a reason for it. Speaking of the Cardinals, favorite stat of the week. Okay. I just saw this tweet a couple hours before we came on. Kyler Murray, guess, guess what his numbers were for the longest 18 passes he tried. How many do you think he completed? His longest 18 attempts in terms of air yards, I think it was 634 air yards on those 18 attempts. Okay. How many do you think he completed? Uh, 10? One. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was 31 passing yards on 634 air yards. (laughs) Well, I wonder why Cliff Kingsbury's not the head coach there anymore. You know. Throwing that out there. Um, so those are our top five 49ers under the most pressure. Tell us who you think is under the most pressure. Leave it in your review. And I, again, Rob I Stats Guerrero is under pressure. I am under pressure right Actually, now. Kind of true. Pressure. Either this thing's going to be your full-time job or. <laughs> right. Or I'm in deep. Um, 
I'm actually going to be in Nevada in October for a wedding. And the Sunday, the wedding is on a Saturday. On that Sunday, they play the Cowboys in San Francisco on Sunday night football. And the people that I'm at the wedding with, one of them is a huge fan of the show. He's one of my oldest friends in the world. He's like, dude, we got to go to Levi's. We have to go. Get, tell your mom to watch the kids for an extra day. My wife, Erin, is like, you should go. It'd be a tremendous opportunity for you professionally. So now I'm trying to see if I can finagle my way somehow into Levi's for the Cowboys game on Sunday Night Football. You did have a ticket offer from one fan. That's true. I wonder if that offer. Yeah, but then I'm going to come in and be like, yeah, remember the biggest regular season game of the year or the top two against the team's biggest rival on Sunday Night Football? Can I have your ticket, please? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, I know of one freeway for you to get in, but that doesn't get your friend in. Well, and I don't know that they're going to credential me anyway. They don't like me. You would get a credential if you if you put in for unclear. But I don't want a credential because I want to cheer and yell and scream, especially if I'm in Levi's. Well, here's what you do. You win a bunch of money in Vegas and then you right. buy your ticket because it's going to be expensive. You know, I, I'm looking at week one for the two of us. And it has been shocking to me because, while well, it's week one and it's Steelers. They're extremely popular to where pretty much every ticket is a season ticket anyways. <laughs> and uh, even with having that expectation going in, like I've, I've gone to a couple road games in Minnesota. Uh, what I spent to go to those games in Minnesota, which I had pretty good tickets for, aren't even the nosebleeds. Yeah, you can't get in for that price. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a shame. We're a really good team that everyone wants to see. It's not yeah. a complaint. We're not complaining. It's just it's just an observation. But anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit that bell so you know whenever we go live. We are live pretty much almost every single day on the channel. Thanks for all the support that everybody's been giving lately. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. Levin, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. You didn't even mention the Hearst jersey. Jeez. Yes, Levin has a Garrison Hurst jersey up in the background. Now he's taken down the Trey Lance jersey because you're so demoralized about Adam. Oh, yes, yes. Show. Exactly what it is. It's not that I wanted to do this last week, but I couldn't find the dang jersey because it was packed away <laughs> in a box or anything. <laughs> and he's wearing a Patrick Willis jersey. So showing the love today on the show. I got a new piece in my background as well. My son uh, for mm-hmm. Father's Day painted the 49ers logo and he painted uh, Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk, I believe. You can't see it that, you know, it's too far away to see the detail. But uh, so he wanted me to hang that up in the background. So that is there for any well, eagle eye. One of you- those players is guaranteed to be on the roster next year. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's just get through this year and we'll worry about next year, next year. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>